We have been in a series here at Hope called Kingdom Living, and we've been looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapter 5 to 7. Now, what is the Sermon on the Mount? The Sermon on the Mount is Jesus' most famous sermon, and it's the best picture of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if we look at our journey so far, for those of you who are just joining us, we started with the Beatitudes. And eight times Jesus says, blessed, blessed, blessed. And he's talking about the blessing of following Jesus. And so that's how he starts. He starts by letting us know how blessed we are to have Jesus in our life. And then Jesus begins to talk about our undeniable influence in this world as salt and light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Pretty powerful stuff. And then we moved into this next section as Jesus begins to talk about this topic of greater righteousness. Listen to what Jesus said at the start of this section on greater righteousness. He said, I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Who are they? They're the most religious people in Jesus' day. And he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. So then he began giving us six examples of this greater righteousness. And I don't know about you, but as I've gone through this journey, wow, this has been challenging stuff. Because Jesus has been challenging us right in, right in the heart. And he began to talk about issues in our life, like anger and, and like lust and our marriages, our faithfulness to our spouses. He started talking about truthfulness. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And how we respond when people hurt us. It's been a challenging journey as Jesus talks about my heart and your heart. I was thinking about a picture, and a picture came to mind. Uh, years ago when I went to grad school, Angie and I went from two cars to one car. We sold our car. And I bought a mountain bike. And I was so excited. I was thinking, I'm gonna, when I get to school, I'm going to ride my bike to my classes at school. And uh, we moved there, and that's when I learned uh, at my school that all the classes were at the top of this hill and all the apartments were at the bottom of the hill so first day of school came I'm thinking this you know the classes are way up here at the top of this hill but that's no problem because I have a mountain bike so first day of school comes and I'm thinking I'm gonna ride up to class and I start pedaling and this hill is getting steeper and steeper and steeper and I'm getting going slower and slower and slower and I'm starting to sweat this is just a steep hill. And I turn this corner and I'm coming to the last incline before I, we get up to the classrooms. And it's just impossible. No worries though. I've got a 21 speed. Click, 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 click. I click down to a lower gear. And now I'm pedaling. And I'm going as fast as I can. And as I'm pedaling as fast as I can, the bike's moving like this. It's inching. And I look ahead and I see somebody walking up to class. They're walking faster than I'm riding on my bike. I said, that's it. I jump off the bike and I walk the rest of the way. I haven't ridden on my bike since that day. It's hanging up 
in my garage right now. Maybe that's what these last few weeks have felt like. Maybe it's felt like a steep climb up a hill. Somebody said, aren't you looking forward to when, you know, the messages aren't so offensive? Man, these have been tough. They've been hitting us right in the heart. And now today we come to the final turn and we get to the steepest part of the hill. And, and it's really here at the very top. So we're coming up to the top that we're going to hear the one word for the very first time that sums up everything Jesus wants to teach us in the Sermon on the Mount. And that one word is the word love. Listen, love is the greater righteousness Jesus wants to produce in our heart. But love is going to stretch us to the limit. Just listen to, uh, listen to this passage for today. This is the, the passage we're going to be studying. This isn't an ordinary love. This is a powerful love. Matthew 5, 43 to 48. We're coming here to, to a conclusion and turning point in a little mini section of the sermon. Matthew 5, 43 to 48 says, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Then he takes it to the, to the highest limit. He says, be perfect Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Guys, this is a radical command. It's a command to love people, not just the people we love, not just people who love us back. This is a radical command to love everyone, even our enemies. You guys feeling the burn here? Think about the person in your life who is hardest to love. Think about the people in your life Jesus is asking you to love. And maybe there's a family member. So difficult to love. They criticize you. They, whatever it is. Maybe there's a coworker. And, and every time you work together, it makes your blood pressure rise. You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe it's just those people with those political views, whatever those views are. Jesus is asking us today to do something radical. He's asking us to love people who are hardest to love and to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Man, that's powerful stuff. So let's pray and we'll dive in and we'll talk about a little bit about what it looks like to love the way Jesus wants us to love. But let's pray together, okay? Father, we worship you and we thank you for this day. We find ourselves all over, scattered um, as, as a church, scattered as people, and yet you are what centers us. And so we give our hearts today to know you in a deeper way. And I pray that we would be challenged by your word and strengthened by your word 
to be the people you're asking us to be, even in these times, even in these days. And on this National Day of Prayer, we pray for those who are being affected by this virus all over the world, for those who are sick, for those who are caring for the sick. And we ask that you would bring a halt to the spread of this virus. In Jesus' name, we give you today. All right, let's take a look at this passage, this really powerful passage. The first big idea that we come to in this passage is the idea that loving our people is normal. You got your people, I got my people, you got your friends, we got our crew. And loving our friends, loving our crew, loving family, that's normal. We all do that. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 43. He says, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's an interesting thing. Jesus says, you've heard this. And in Jesus' day, the religious people would have said something like this. In fact, in Jesus' day, the religious leaders um, really made their religion about loving your people, loving your religion, and hating your enemies. To be religious was to love your people and to hate your enemies. Um, it, it, although it was a popular idea, it wasn't a biblical idea. And we always want to go back to what did God say? And so Jesus is challenging us to think about what does the scripture say? What does God say about this? Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. Well, does God say love your neighbor? Yeah, God says love your neighbor. It's all through the scripture. Um, the first time that that's said in scripture in the Old Testament is Leviticus 19.18. God says, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, I am the Lord. And of course, Jesus quotes that and he says, love your neighbor as yourself. How about this idea of hate your enemy? Did God ever say hate your enemy? Well, it's interesting because nowhere in the Bible does God say hate your enemy. It's not there. You go, well, what about, um, what about in the Old Testament where God judges his enemies and he uses Israel to do it, like the book of Joshua? That's interesting. Or, or what about in the Psalms where David gets raw and he begins, he begins expressing his hatred of his enemies to God? Yeah, that's there too. But nowhere does God say to hate your enemies. Remember earlier in this series, we talked about how to read our Old Testament. And I encourage you to ask three questions. Number one, what's right? Number two, what's wrong? Number three, what's needed? So when you read your Old Testament, we're always asking what's right, what's wrong, what's needed? So what's right? God does judge his enemies, right? And God will judge injustice. He will bring injustice to an end. That's what's right. What's wrong? As much as Israel hated their enemies, they never overcame their enemies. They never broke the cycle, did they? It never worked. What's needed? Well, something better. And that better is foreshadowed in the Old Testament when David doesn't retaliate against King Saul. That love is shown in the Old Testament when, remember Joseph, as he forgives his brothers and he blesses his brothers? It's the wisdom of Proverbs. Proverbs 25, 21. See, the Old Testament says just the opposite of hate your enemies. 
Listen to Proverbs 25, 21. It says, if your enemy's hungry, give him food to eat. If your enemy is thirsty, give him water to drink. Guys, that's what the scripture says. But so often we don't hear this because of the sin in our hearts, because of this mindset that says, well, I love my friends. I love my people. Well, but everybody else. There's a great uh, short video that Pixar did years ago called For the Birds. Do you remember that little like animated video clip, For the Birds? It's a great clip. You got this flock of birds. They fly in. They land on a telephone line. And then who shows up but this big, dopey bird? And all the little birds on the line, they're like, ah, they're making fun of the dopey bird and just, you know, da, 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 da. But the dopey bird, he just wants to be friends. So you remember he flies in and he lands on the telephone wire and then the whole wire goes down, down, down. And, but the little birds, they don't want to have anything up, anything to do with this big dopey bird. So they just start um, pecking at the bird's fingers. And eventually, one by one, all the dopey bird's fingers let go of the, the telephone line and the whole telephone line snaps up. All the little birds fly into the air. There's feathers everywhere. I just think that's such a picture of us. You heard the, the saying, birds of a feather flock together. And, uh, you know, I got my people, I got my friends, I love my friends. Man, that's so normal. We've heard that. That's how most of us live our lives. And yet, if someone's different, or, or, or even worse, if somebody has hurt us, don't we kind of... We're kind of like that bird. We're like, yeah, there's no love here for you. And there's a mindset that says, well, if you don't love me, why would I love you? No, we unlove people that don't love us. And that's so easy. And in our world today, that's so normal. We disdain people that think differently than we do. And yet Jesus is calling us to something different. Loving your people that's normal. But to love like Jesus does, guys, that's anything but normal. Loving like Jesus is a really extraordinary. And Jesus is calling us, the top, the Sermon on the Mount, he's calling us to an extraordinary level of love, beyond any love this world has ever seen. Listen to what Jesus says next. This is Matthew 5, 43 and 44. Jesus says, you've heard it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. We just talked about that. That's normal. But I tell you, love your enemies. Wow. Pray for those who persecute you. That's radical. Guys, this goes far beyond anything we've heard so far. In Chick's message last week, he talked about how do we respond when people wrong us. And what we learned from Jesus is that when somebody wrongs us, when somebody hurts us, we don't retaliate, we don't get revenge. Remember what Jesus said? He said, turn the other cheek. And that takes a lot of self-control. That is radical. But what we're talking about today is even more radical than that. It's one thing if somebody strikes you to not strike them back. But it's a whole nother thing if someone strikes you to turn around and to love that person back. 
See, just not getting even, as crazy as that is, as powerful as that is, that's not enough. Jesus is saying, no, no, no. It's just not enough. You actually want to love these people. I love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Jesus uses a powerful word for love here. I love this word. It's the Greek word agape. You ever heard of agape love? What's that? Agape love is the highest form of love. Agape love is sacrificial love. It's a self-sacrificial love. And so it's clear that agape love, Jesus is using this word, love your enemy, agape your enemy, sacrificial love. This is not a love based on feeling. Agape love is not a love based on feeling. Agape love is a choice. I choose to love you whether or not my feelings go with me. It's a powerful kind of love. There's a great story uh, to illustrate this about a man named Julio Diaz. I love this story. Julio Diaz is a social worker and he lives in the Bronx. And every day he commutes into the city for work and then comes back out. Well, one day he was coming home from work and he was, he was coming out of the subway and it was dark out. And as he was walking home, uh, a, a teenage boy came out of the dark and pulled out a knife and demanded his wallet. That's terrifying. That's a really terrifying situation. So Julio quickly pulls out his wallet and he hands it to the guy. And, uh, you know, he did what any of us would have done at knife point. But what Julio did next is surprising. The young man began, began walking off. And Julio yelled out, he said, wait, hold on a sec. He goes, if you're going to be robbing people for the rest of the night, you might as well take my coat too, because it's pretty cold. And the teenage boy turned around and looked at him in surprise. You give me your coat? He was shocked. He didn't understand. And, uh, and Huli goes, well, if you're willing to risk your freedom for a few dollars, then you must need the money pretty bad. He goes, I mean, I, I was just going to go grab some dinner, and if you'd like to join me, well, hey, you're more than welcome. And that night, Julio Diaz took his mugger out to dinner, and they shared a meal together, and crazy story, right? Then the bill comes, and, uh, and Julio goes, look, um, you've got my wallet, so you're going to have to pay this bill. But he goes, if you give me my wallet back, I'd happily pay the bill. It'll be my treat. Well, the young man didn't even think twice. He gave Julio his wallet right back. And Julio paid the bill. And then he pulls out $20. And he put the $20 bill in the hand of his mugger. And he gave it to him. And he said, he said, this is yours. But I just want one thing returned. He said, I want your knife. And without a second thought, the mugger gave Julio Diaz the knife that he had pulled just hours earlier. Guys, this is agape love. It is sacrificial love. 
It's loving those that we don't even think would be possible to love. Even our enemy. Even those who have hurt us. And maybe for you today, agape love is forgiving somebody that hurt you. And maybe it is is forgiving and letting go of that resentment. It's how we love our enemies. It's not always easy to do. Or maybe it's beginning to pray for somebody. That's really challenging for you to love. And just begin to pray for them. Or maybe it's looking way for ways to bless somebody. Isn't it amazing how agape love not only changes our life, but it changes the lives of people around us? Guys, this is what God's calling us to. And it hasn't been easy in my life, and it's not easy for, for any of us to love those who've hurt us. But I love this passage because Jesus gives us two motivations. Why would we do this? Number one, the first motivation is that God loves you. This is awesome. This is powerful. God loves you. Jesus begins to uh, talk about this. Look down at Matthew 5.44. Love your enemies, Jesus says. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Why, Jesus? What's the motivation? That you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. Isn't that amazing? He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Unrighteous. God loves you. Have you ever seen the sunrise? He says, the sun rises on the evil and the good. Man, I, I love our church. It's situated right on top of this hill. And if you stand on that hill in the morning, you can see some amazing sunrises. And isn't it incredible to see the sun rise up and then shine its light all over the earth? What Jesus is saying is that is the goodness of God. And it doesn't matter if you're kind or cruel. It doesn't matter if you love God or hate God. It doesn't matter if you're a saint or a sinner. The sun is going to shine on you and on your life today. That's proof of God's love for you. But the ultimate proof of God's love for us isn't just the sun. It is the sun, S-O-N. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And, and I, will never, I will never wrap my mind around the idea that Jesus literally died on a cross even for the people who accused him and crucified him. And it was because of our sin, it was because of my sin that Jesus went to the cross. He loved me even when I was his enemy. Right? We've all fallen short. We all went our own way. And yet Jesus gave his life for every one of us. And that is the ultimate proof of God's love for you. I love what Paul says. This is Romans 5.10. Paul says it this way. For if, while we were God's enemies, think about that. <clears throat> if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, 
Shall we be saved through his life? Isn't that amazing? While we were God's enemies, Jesus died. He gave his life for us. If God loved us when we were his enemies, we go against his example of love when we fail to love our enemies. This is one of the motivations for loving people in our life who are hard to love. It's the truth that God loves us, number one. Number two, his love is changing us. Two motivations. Number one, God loves us. Number two, his love is changing us. In other words, if you've received God's love, if you've received the free gift of salvation, God's love is changing your life. We are different. We're not normal. We don't do things that normal people do. We don't live a normal kind of life. God's love is radically changing us. Jesus begins to draw this out, this really cool truth, and be encouraged, as he does, with a series of powerful questions. Some of you who who are part of our church, you may remember uh, about a year ago, we did a series here at Hope called The Powerful Questions Jesus Asked. Jesus would often ask powerful questions, and he begins to draw out the truth of the transformation in our life through some powerful questions. Take a look at these. Continue on. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Why? Verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Isn't that interesting? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? Jesus could have said, isn't the mafia doing that? Welcome to the family. Right? Doesn't, even the mafia loves their own. He goes, what reward will you get if you only love those who love you? Then he says, if you only greet your own people. If you only say hi to your friends, your crew. Because what are you doing more than others? Do not even the pagans do that? Four powerful questions. But I love this line. What are you doing more than others? See, God is changing our lives. He's transforming us. I love that word more. What are you doing more than others? It is the Greek word extraordinary. Follower of Jesus, what's extraordinary? about your life? What's different about your life? If you only love those who love you, if you only say hi to those who are your friends, how are you different than anybody else? It's a powerful question. See, loving our people, that's normal. Loving like Jesus loves, wow, that's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary level of love. Jesus says in verse 48, takes it to the highest level here. He says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What's perfection? What's extraordinary about our life? It's love. Guys, Jesus has put love on the wall. Love is what makes us different. Love is what sets us apart. Love is what is greater Love is what exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Love is what sets us apart from the world around us. Uh, Jesus said, you'll know 
my disciples by their love. This is what is beyond what's normal in the world. Love is the greatness of what Jesus wants to do in your life. And so Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father's perfect. Right? Love with the greatest level of love. Why? Because you are loved by God. Because we are the loved sons and daughters of a perfect heavenly father. So can we love people who've hurt us? Can we love someone who's hard to love? Can we forgive uh, somebody who's caused pain in our life? Maybe you're thinking about someone in your own life. Who is the person that God's asking you to love today? Who is the person hardest to love? And what would it look like for you to love them? What would it look like for me in my own life to love people who are so difficult to love? Can we do that? I believe we can. Loving our people's normal. Loving like Jesus loves is extraordinary. And friends, that's who we are. That's the transformation Jesus is doing in our life. I want to take you back to the hill where we started. I'm trying to pedal my bike up this hill that was too steep for me to climb. As we look over the last six weeks at the greater righteousness Jesus is calling us to, this is a steep uphill climb. And I'm telling you, there's no way on our own strength that we could ever love like Jesus loves. There's no way in our own strength that we'll ever be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. But what I learned is that if I couldn't ride my bike up that hill, I had a wife for three years who gave me a ride from the bottom of the hill to the top of the hill. We need power in our life to live out the greater things Jesus wants to do in our life. And because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, because of the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you and me, we can begin to live out this kingdom life. So as we close today, uh, I just want to let you know, I'm going to be sending out to everyone at our church an email today, um, just continuing to keep you posted on what's going on, but also I'm going to send out a summary of the greater righteousness Jesus is calling us to. And uh, I'm going to put a few questions in there just so you can have time this week as you're at home or any time you can get with God to begin to reflect on what God might want to do specifically in your heart in one of these six areas. So I'll make sure to send those questions. Um, call up a friend, you know, and, and talk through some of this stuff. Sit down with your spouse have those conversations. Um, make time to be with Jesus this week because it's his power inside of us that's changing us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thanks for today. Thank you that we can still gather in some way uh, through this technology and we want to be the church, Lord. So help us to love in the midst of everything that's happening in our lives. Um, to love with the greatest kind of love. Jesus, I pray that you keep our antenna up for the needs of those around us. Um, Father, we just ask 
that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would continue your work of changing our hearts from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, family, church, those who are gathered, thank you for spending some time with us today. And uh, we'll be praying for you. And I hope you have a great week. Talk to you later.